How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Good evening. It is Tuesday night, our favorite night of the week. And welcome, everyone, to episode number... 37. Boom. Episode number 37 of How About That Cigar. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. We are live on Facebook. As always, you will find us here on Tuesday nights. If you are watching after the fact on YouTube, thanks so much for watching us as well. We appreciate that. Take a moment, if you would, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, And if you're listening on the audio podcast after the fact, also, we want to thank you for giving us some of your time while you work out or drive down the road, whatever it is you do while you listen to podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. We come to you every week live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios, and we uh, thank you so much for joining us. I would like to take a moment, if I could, to tell you a little bit about the Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented. It is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes, which are loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water Mm. is then added while immense pressure is applied to the torquettes with railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two to three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Mm. Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at Brick and Mortar Drew Diplomat Retailers. Yes. So thanks again to our wonderful sponsor, Drew Estate, for uh, that information. Uh, Garrett, Mm. an interesting week in the NFL. Mm. So I know Garrett doesn't like to talk about the NFL because Mm. his his team loses and mine wins. Uh, So (laughs) sorry. That was that was that was dirty. But but so my team, the Green Bay Packers, beat a really horrible Giants team. Yeah. I mean, the Giants are two and eight and we beat them. So big whoop. Uh, but yeah. we needed to win. Yeah. Um, and while I didn't I you know, I don't really care if the Vikings play somebody other than the Packers. Um, but this was one of those situations where the Viking or the Packers really needed for Minnesota to lose. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't rooting for them to lose. It just worked out that way. Yep. Well, and, uh, the really frustrating part is, and and they kept putting up the, the playoff picture, uh, during the game last night. Um, yeah. Where, you know, the Seahawks nine and two and Minnesota eight and three were the wild card teams. And then you've got freaking Dallas. Yeah, sitting at six and six, yeah. leading their awesome division, and uh, that was just that was annoying. Yeah, the fact that in the playoff picture, the Cowboys are higher than the Niners <laughs> is disgusting. I mean, as good as the Niners are this season, the, the Niners embarrassed my Green Bay Packers. They embarrassed them. Yep. They're a great team this season. Yeah. And the fact that the Cowboys are above them in the playoff picture just shows what a broken system the NFL is. Yep. But uh, there's there's been some great play this season. There's been some horrible play as well, but there's been some really great play. And I'm excited to see what comes in the coming weeks. Um, the Packers close out the season with uh, three out of four of our final four games are division games. Yep. Very important. So we have to play the Vikings again. And then Detroit and Chicago, uh, you don't want to call them giveaways because they're division games, but 
the definitely the toughest test left for the the Packers this year is the coming Vikings. to Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, and playing in Minnesota, U.S. Bank. We haven't Stadium. lost a game, a home game. Yeah, it's very very tough win. Uh, you know, to win in that stadium if you're not the Vikings. Um, the Minnesota Golden Gophers football. I don't want to talk about that either. I know it was tough. They've had they've, and I don't want to take anything away from what a phenomenal season what a they've great had. Se- I mean, this is the best season they've had in over a hundred years. But you really wanted them to, you know, just make a statement at the end of the season against yep. Wisconsin. Yeah, that we're for real. That you know. Now I will say this: just purely as a fan of the game, it was a great it game was to watch. A good game. You know, yep. you want to see a snowstorm and you want to see people yeah. playing outside in the snow. But they just could not get any momentum against, and, and I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know where that Wisconsin defense was the rest of the season, or sorry, that Wisconsin offense was the rest of the season because they they could not score points this season, and then all of a sudden, the uh, they they just rolled all over, yeah, the, the Gophers. They did, yep, and we couldn't stop, yeah, the Badgers. And uh, typically, our defense has been a little bit better than that, but. The offense is what's really shined in Minnesota, and we couldn't, yeah, get that going. A lot of drop passes, yep. a lot of a lot of missed passes. You know, the quarterback was not was on, not on his game. He was throwing throwing long, throwing short. Yep. Um. So whether that was a mis- miscommunication or just a bad arm, I don't know. Or but, just the nerves. Yeah, could have been know, nerves. Big game. Yeah. So, but it was fun to watch, and uh, Minnesota Wild again. They're 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 mediocre. They I don't are. know what else to say about them. They're a game over five hundred, but they're just they're they're just mediocre. Yeah, they either crush it. They're or... playing. They're playing right now as we speak. I don't oh, remember yeah. who they're playing, but I don't either. They are in a live game right now. Uh, so again, thanks everybody for watching episode number thirty-seven of How About That Cigar. Take a moment and share us out to your favorite Facebook cigar groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to bring in our special guest right now. Our special guest is brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com. It is the Internet's largest and easiest-to-use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in being cigar fanatics just like you and me. Mm. That is why you will find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Choose from famous brands like Padron, Davidoff, Fuente, and hundreds more. Uh, If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So we would like to right now welcome to episode number 37 of How About That Cigar from Crowned Head Cigars, Mr. Miguel Shodell. Miguel, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you guys for having me on the show, man. Fantastic. Awesome. We really appreciate your time. So tell everybody where you are coming to us from. I am coming to you from uh, a part of Florida outside of Fort Myers called Babcock Ranch, Florida. Uh, I moved down here about a year ago from my hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, all the memorabilia around me is all Cincinnati red stuff. Um and so, yeah, I'm coming to you live from Florida. It's actually a little chilly down here for them. A little chill. So we're talking like 72? <laughs> 60s. 60. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, for Florida, that's... that's. Uh, that's yeah, they're freezing down here. To me, I, I, weather. I think they're, that's shorts weather, man. <laughs> so, uh, so about a, a week from today, so next Tuesday when we do the show here in the studio, um, 
the outside temperature is going to be about zero. Zero. Good round number. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is yeah, good. It is. That is a good round number. Uh no, no tobacco beetles. No, well, that's <laughs> that's true. Yeah, if you if you're worried about your uh you know, a shipment of cigars you just got in, just set them on the front porch, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> so Miguel, give you know, you're with Crown Head Cigars right now, but give everybody we always like to talk to people about their their cigar origin stories. So tell us that first time that you sat down with a premium hand rolled cigar. And and what that experience was like for you? Yeah, you know, I grew up <clears throat> around family members that smoked um, premium cigars. By the way, I have a little bit of a cold, so I apologize if I'm a little uh, raspy or whatever. Um, so I grew up around cigars. All the men in my family, I think it's very part of the Latino culture is cigars. Uh, and so I grew up around them. I was very infatuated with them since the early '90s. I always thought they were really neat and cool and you know, obviously your, your uncles, your brothers, men, your father, you look up to, you know, they always have cigars. So my first handmade premium cigar was in 1995, 96. Um, it was an Opus X, uh, Perfection X, uh, smoked that in the garage with a bunch of my brother's friends. And we smoked one cigar with, uh, among like seven guys passing it around. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> The pop I didn't, know, didn't know the proper way to smoke a cigar back then. And uh, and so that was my first real experience with premium uh, tobacco. And it was a love affair since 95, 96. In 98, I, I fell in love with a brand called CAO, Lena Versar Maduro. Um, that was my brand that I, I just, it, it struck me. It, it, it was my favorite cigar. It was everything that I loved about it. It was box pressed. It was dark. It had this beautiful red band, came in a really nice wood box. And that's really what set my love affair um, for for the industry as itself. In 98, I said to myself, man, I'd love to do this one day for a career. And, and luckily now, after all these years smoking a lot of cigars, I've been in the business. This will be, I think, my 17th year in the business. Wow. That is awesome. So you, right out of the gate, you know, it's not uh, it's not a have a Tampa. It's not a Swisher Swede. It's not a you know, it's not a Grenadier right out of the gate. It's it's an Opus X. So, you, yeah. And and back then, the very first shipment of Opus X that went out, uh, they were all pretty much on the East Coast, Midwest. And uh, basically, Mississippi East is where they were all released. And the very first boxes were slide top. A lot of people don't know that, that the second shipment is when they came with the traditional box that you see now that that open, you know, regularly. The, the very first shipment were slide top boxes. And uh, and and I've got I got one of those cigars out of a slide top box. I put 20 bucks on a, on, a, on the register for a cigar shop and said, give me your best cigar. And they had just received I, it literally was like on the end of 95 to the beginning of 96. It was around that time period. And uh, and so jumped full in uh, feet right away. And, and back in the 90s, you know, Dominican cigars ruled the market. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they, you know, eight out of 10 cigars in, in, in a cigar shop were Dominican made. And so that was kind so of wait, you were underage. Yes, I was. I was underage. But, you know, <laughs> I, I'd been around to tobacco and I've been around cigars. And I think that's a lot of people's story. Yeah, no right? doubt. Absolutely. It, it wasn't, you know, it's not like cigarettes that would advertise on billboards at that time or in a lot of magazines. It was something culturally that I saw the men uh, do uh, in, in, in my family that I really wanted to be a part of. And so in, in, in 96, I really wanted to, 
get into that. And I still have the very first Cigar Aficionado ever published from 92. Oh, um, nice. That my mother bought for me. Yep. I still, uh, so, you know, I have some great memories of, of that first kind of, you know, but I wouldn't have called myself a real cigar smoker until about 98. That's really where I bought my first box of cigars and yeah. started, you know, bought a humidor and became full on uh, addicted, not to cigars, but to the culture. The culture. You know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I want to, I, I know you've had experience with a few different cigar companies, but I also want to get a feel for what you did, you know, what some of the jobs were you had before you started working in cigars. So, so what, what are some of the things that you kept yourself busy with before cigars? Well, my father's his entire, my father was like Al Bundy, right? His whole <laughs> life was shoes. My, my father from, from being a teenager to the day he died, he sold shoes. So as a kid, I, I cut my teeth on selling shoes with my dad. Uh, so I always had this soft spot in my heart for my father had a store downtown, Cincinnati on Main Street. You you could go in there and buy shoes. He had a shoe repair too. He had an old man back there that would repair your 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 shoes because that was the thing back then. And my I re, I'll never forget my father's store. He put in a mini little basketball court so guys could try on their gym shoes and and try their jump shot before and right. later on many years later. Uh, there was a company called, I think, Just for Feet or something like that. That was kind of their claim to fame that they had a basketball court in their store. But my father did that way back in the day. <laughs> so, so that was one. And then growing up in Cincinnati, I, I worked for the two organized crime families of Cincinnati, the Gold Stars and the Skylines. I actually worked <laughs> for both growing up. And it's like working for two different mob families in New York. I'm trying to get people to understand. It's It's like literally working for... Um, in that case, the Jordanians and the Greeks, you know, um, <laughs> and so I did, I worked for both. I crossed the line, you know, um, and then, uh, I worked in jewelry. I, I had an opportunity to get in the jewelry business, um, as a teen, young teenager. And so that's what I did. And it was uh, handmade jewelry from Mexico, Indonesia, Italy, all over the world. And I got to work in that, in that industry, which led me to uh, eventually meeting people in the cigar industry and then and then begging CAO Cigars, Tim Osgener at the time, for a job. So, yeah, tell us about how how that came to be, where you started earning a paycheck in the cigar business. So I worked in the jewelry uh, business, and I would go to the Big Smokes in Chicago in 98, 99. Um, and like I said, 98, my, my favorite company was CAO. So I would go there and I'd bug the crap out of them. And I would always joke with Tim Osgener, who at the time was the vice president. His father was the founder of the company. And eventually Tim became the, the president of the company. I would just bug Tim at, at events. If he was going to be in Columbus, Ohio, I'd drive to Columbus. If he was going to be in Chicago, I would drive to Chicago to meet him. And this is the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. And I'd say, Tim, one day I'm going to work for you, man. One day I'm going to work for you. <laughs> he was very kind to me. He would send me samples of stuff that they were working on. Brasilia and things like that before they came out and he, you know, probably just to be nice or whatever. He'd say, what do you think about this? Uh, probably never took anything I said serious, but he was just very kind to me. And, um, and so I'll never forget, uh, he calls me one day and he says, Hey, I'm going to be in Cincinnati for an event next month. And I said, yeah, I know you all, I'll be there. He said, well, I want to make sure you come cause I want to talk to you. So when he came, he did the event. And after the event, he said, you know, how you always threaten him. You're going to work for me. He said, um, I'll tell you what, I, I can get you an interview. Uh, we're going away from brokers at that time. 
the majority of the industry was brokers. Mm -hmm. Rocky was still using brokers. Perdomo was still using brokers. Basically, everybody was using brokers with the exception of General Altidus, Davidoff, mm, Ashton, uh, Fuente Newman. Well, Newman, Newman is their yeah. Um, and that was basically it. If you didn't work for one of those five companies, you were a broker. So, yeah. I mean, nobody was using. So CAO made that decision before a lot of these other companies did that they were going to go in-house. And so so Tim says to me, hey, um, I can get you an interview. Uh, you know, he's the vice president of the company. He said, I want my national sales manager to make that decision, but I'll get you an interview. And after a long, extensive uh, time, I, I went through several interviews with them in Nashville, uh, CAO's headquarters at that time was probably the size of uh, two hotel rooms and uh, it was very small. And I did the interview in John O. Osgener, who's a legend in this business. I did the second interview in his basement at his house. Hmm. And Mike Condor was there, who is one of the owners of Crown Heads. Uh, John Huber, I, I met in person at that time too. And after um, it was me and one other guy, the other guy was older than me, had more experience than me, uh, was probably better spoken, better dressed than me. But for some reason, they gave me the job. And uh, I spent seven phenomenal years at CAO working for Eileen Osgener and John Osgener and Tim Osgener. And that's where I met Mike Condor and John Huber and spent seven incredible years there and, and absolutely loved my time there. Nice. Just, awesome. just, just one of the best families that have <laughs> ever come through the premium cigar industry. One, just to let everybody know what we're uh, smoking right now, too, is uh, this beautiful new release and uh, mm. collaboration. I'm trying to get it to focus, but it just won't. The La, Co La Coalition. La Coalition. That's our uh, new collaboration with Drew Estate, uh, Willie Herrera, John Huber. That's the, um, the two men that came together, worked on the blend. They worked on the name. They worked on the sizes, the packaging, total collaboration from start to finish. And we're very proud of it. I've actually got a box right here. I wish I was smoking it, but I don't feel too good. <laughs> and uh, how long has this project been in the works? I would say there's two ways that I answer that question. I would say over a year to two years of real hands-on, but I think between John and Willie longer than that, they've wanted to do something together longer than that. They've been friends for a very long time. They've always talked about doing something together. Um, but it's like anything else, you know, you, you, you want to work on a project and you wait for the right time, the right place and everything come together and it came together. And the fruits of those labor, of that labor is, is La Coalition, four different Vitolas, uh, broadleaf, beautiful broadleaf wrapper. And we're just, I'm so happy that it's out there now and it's in people's hands and we're already getting reorders. Uh, we had a conversation today about it uh, at the office and, and it's been overwhelmingly positive and we we're very happy with that. Yeah. It's starting out really nice. It is. Yeah. Uh, first, first one for me though. I really, really wanted to smoke one yesterday, <clears throat> but wanted to uh, <clears throat> uh, give it the first go on the show here with you tonight. And it's beautiful. Well, I, you know, it, Broadleaf is in very short um, supply right now. It's in very high demand. Yeah, we keep it, hearing that from everybody we've interviewed. The Broadleaf is like, like Broadleaf, you get your hands on. It, Broadleaf is it's it's really putting a hurt on a lot of people's uh, Broadleaf cigars out there. I mean, we have a line called Lake Carême, you know, that uses a lot of Broadleaf. So everyone's kind of hurting for Broadleaf, but very blessed in our sense that 
working on this project with Drew Estate that they opened up their their you know their aged tobacco room to us to be able to get our hands on broadleaf because right now if we had to go out to the open market to get broadleaf it'd be impossible. Mm. So the fact that they've opened up their their how would you call it maybe their reserves if you will of broadleaf to us for this project means the world to us. So everyone's hurting for broadleaf. We're very proud we have a broadleaf cigar that just hit the market. Does this look like a limited release then? It is not. It is a full production release. Okay. Awesome. Yep. This and there's four Vitolas, uh, but this is a full on production. Awesome. We have dabbled with them with Paniolo and the Buckeye Land, uh, mm. some regional or limited release stuff, but this is our first full on project uh, that will be an ongoing project. And this is the uh, the Toro Vitola that we're smoking right now. The uh, six by fifty-two, yeah, it's really starting out nice. Um, so, and I was I was really g- glad that these that these shipped out because uh, I remember hearing about it, you know, the buzz before IPCPR and then and then during uh, IPCPR, and it was uh, um, you know a welcome addition to a lot of humidors. And um, you know, you hear about so many different cigars you put on your mm-hmm. list, saying, "Okay, I got to try that one. I got to try that one. Got to try that one." This one's definitely in the easily in the top five of cigars like got to try that one got to try that one so very excited it finally hit the stores thank you man and the ones you guys are smoking that's that traditional more traditional tour called the siglo we call it the siglo and um that to me is that and the corona gordo my two favorite sizes so yeah corona gordo will definitely be next on the list oh yeah to try so um take us back again a little bit so um uh you had some great years with cao and then where did you go from there well, so the last year I was there, CAO sold to STG, Scandinavian Tobacco Group, and uh, which people probably aren't too familiar with that name, but they're a huge, huge you know, corporate conglomerate in Europe. Then they bought 51% of Swedish Match at that time, who also owned General Cigar and CI and all that. So eventually they were going to merge, and I think they wound up buying them out completely. So we knew that something was going to change. We knew that in Europe, uh, Swedish match, I think, was being absorbed into STG because STG was larger. In the States, General was obviously much larger than CAO, although CAO was a considerable size company as well. And so we knew that there was going to be all these mergers. So a lot started to change that last year I was there. And my loyalty to Huber, to Mike Condor, to the whole Osgener family is second to none. Um, I remember doing an event with Tim Osgener. Uh, towards the end there. And Tim said, Hey, look, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And, and I respect any of you guys who maybe want to spread your wings and, and look for other opportunities, you know, because things were changing. And this, this is the Osgoner family that took care of me when I had a brain tumor. I had a brain tumor and I was sick for six to eight months. They took care of me that entire time. And so I had a great loyalty to them. And so when I got kind of the blessing from Tim to go look elsewhere, at that time we were distributing Tarano. And Tarano was making the vast majority of CAOs at that time. Um, Charlie Tarano then approached me and said, hey, look, I'm going to take distribution back when the company is completely merged with General. There's a home here if you want to come over. So I made the move along with Brian McGee, who is our uh, crown heads rep in Texas. Uh, Armando Lapido, who is now with Gurkha, he made the move as well. So all three of us moved over to Tarano and I became their national sales manager at Tarano Cigars. Was there for five years, had a great time there. I got to create my own cigar called Saludum. Uh, Charlie Tarano is truly one of the classiest guys in the business. And while I was there, I got to meet Jack Tarano. 
And uh, and I already knew Yaka Torano. Yaka, who is does logistics for Gurkha, Yaka is a fantastic man. And I got to meet Jack, who is is one of the funniest, best, kindest hearted guys I've ever met in my life. So met a lifelong friend there and uh, spent five solid years with uh, Tarano. And then, you know, happens again. You build the company up in sales and then General Cigar took notice of what we were doing and made an offer to Charlie to buy uh, Tarano. And and so uh, we were all kind of unceremoniously kind of let go because General was going to take it over and didn't need any of us there. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that. So that was that. That was the end of that chapter. Yeah. And then uh, then immediately after that, uh, was that when you were with uh, uh, Duran Cigars? Yeah. So immediately the day the news broke, um, I was probably seven or eight different offers were, were made to me to come on board. I mean, there were just some incredible cigar makers that offered me opportunities to join them. But there was one that really interests me because Roberto Duran Palayo, I knew him as Roberto Palayo. Um, Roberto Palayo Duran is his full name. I knew Roberto because we were at CAO. We distributed not only Tarana, but we distributed Dunhill as well. And Dunhill had made Roberto, who used to work for Habano's SA, um, the face of kind of uh, of that brand of the premium cigar brand. He was based out of Vancouver. And so we were distributing those cigars and he was the representative for Dunhill Premium Cigars. So he wound up leaving that to start his own factory, Nica Tobacco in Nicaragua. He started his own farm called Finca Sasan in Ecuador. And what really interests me was obviously I had familiar, I was very familiar with him and he was going to teach me the tobacco side. So I spent a lot of time. We went to Cuba, spent a lot of time in Nicaragua and spent a lot of time in Ecuador learning the tobacco side of the business. So I, I probably spent maybe three plus years around something like that with him and uh, had a great time with Roberto. It was a very small brand state-wise. You know, we had, a very, we had maybe 500 accounts U.S., but as far as Canada, Hong Kong, Asia Pacific was the main market for his cigars. But the real part of our business was, was tobacco, brokering tobacco. And so that was a, an, an experience I'll never forget. And then, uh, and then I got an offer from another cigar company that I was really considering. And I called my buddy Mike Condor up, uh, one of the owners of Crown Heads. And I said, Mike, you know, I'm going to be in Nashville. Do you mind if I come by and talk to you? And, and just, you know, I want your advice, a guy I really respect. And by the time I walked out of that office, he had offered me the national sales manager job for Crown Heads. So for me, it's full circle, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started cutting my teeth with Osgeners, with John Huber, with Mike Condor, this whole travel through the industry. And then to be able to end up back with those guys, working with them, uh, has been a, for me, a dream, dream come true. So I feel very blessed. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. So what, um, what year was that, that you started with, uh, as a, you know, uh, national sales manager at crown heads? Mm, it's gotta be two years. Okay. Probably okay. about two years. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's, you're so right about that. We, and we've mentioned this before on the show with so, so many other people that, I mean, business relationships are really important regardless of what kind of line of work you're in, but there's something different about the cigar business that where yeah. relationships are so much more key. And, you know, like you said, you got to know so many people uh, throughout your different, uh, you know, different stops on the journey, uh, you know, of working in the cigar business and, you know, you, you, you build those relationships and you, you make a reputation for yourself. And you did this as, you know, a reputation for yourself as a, you know, a, 
you know, somebody who not only gets things done, but also, you know, does things the right way. And, and that just leads you, you know, back into, you know, those guys, uh, you know, from crown head saying, Hey, we want you on this team. We, we want you to be on this team. And what does that, you know, what does that mean for you to, to have people come and come to you and say, we've got this spot and we can't think of anybody else to fill it, but you. Uh, to me, I feel very blessed. I yeah. think that when you're in the industry, if you make a good name for yourself, you're a hard worker and you, your reputation is that you show up on time, you do the job, people can count on you uh, and you have and you run your 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 business with as much passion um, day one than day 17. There'll always be a position for you in this business. And that's something that I've been very blessed of. I, I feel very lucky that I got to cut my teeth at Crown Heads because they were kind of starting off new with in-house guys. They had always dealt with brokers, so they were kind of starting something new. And I got to be on the ground level of that. And remember, at that time, I was in my early 20s, right? And most of the guys that were brokers in the industry or reps in the industry were in their 40s to 50s. So I was very much kind of out of the loop as far as age. And I really got to learn from a lot of great people in the business. Uh, Mickey Pegg was our national sales manager over there. Uh, a couple other guys that came through that were just fantastic. Gary Himes, some, some good names. And uh, as long as you do your job and you do it honestly and you do it right, there'll always be a position for you in this business. So I feel very blessed that John and Mike have, have put their baby in my hands and allowed me to help, you know, continue to grow it and, 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 and help build this thing called crown head. So, I feel very blessed to to work with those two gentlemen and um, just just work hard. I think it goes to anybody. Just just be yeah. yourself, be a hard worker, and, and and the industry will recognize that and reward you for that. You know. Yeah. Um, absolutely. It's it's an industry of passion, mm-hmm. and if you can keep that passion lit, uh, this industry will take very good care of you. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, because there's there's just something very something very unique. Um, about this business and, and all the people that we've been fortunate enough to talk to yourself included. It's there's, there's such a unique um, vibe and unique attitude uh, around the people who have success in this business. And uh, it it's, it's really so people driven. It's so um, culture driven, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not so much product driven as it is uh, culture driven and people driven. And that's one, I think that's one of the strongest parts about this business is, is the, the, the people who make um, the uh, all the way from the people who plant the seeds to the people who sell those, you know, who sell the cigars at the shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the, and then the end, the end consumers, you know, of course, which, which uh, I mean, without them, you know, we, we could all just pack it up, but yeah. uh, the, the uh, every part of, along that journey every every stop along that journey is so important and it's 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 great to be able to get to know the people who make it run and the people who make it work and and the passion that goes into it that's that's one of the things that we love so much about it yeah and, and the truth is that we're we're kind of the end of the uh, of the product right i mean yeah. uh you know i work on the sales side and we have a consumer side we're literally the end the 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 tail of the animal right i mean there's so much more that happens yeah. before it gets to us and so you know, the people that are, that are planting the seeds that are, that are um, the farmers, especially the farmers are very passionate about what they grow. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if they're 
farmer in Indiana growing corn, if it's a farmer in Florida growing palm trees or someone in Nicaragua growing tobacco, farmers are very proud of what they do. And so to me, part of our job is not only to be passionate about the brand that you sell, but be passionate about the creation of this product that we call a cigar. And, and you know, look, the, the history of cigars of premium tobacco is very long, right? Yeah. And and we're a small sliver of, of the history of this of this great plant. And so, you know, do it justice and, and, and be passionate about it. And that's something that, you know, I talk to John Huber on a daily basis and, you know, his passion for the leaf for the cigar is um, – is very, uh, very easily seen. And it, it makes me get excited every day, you know? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I want to, um, I want to shift a little bit um, because I've, I've always enjoyed watching, um, you know, when, when Coop and those guys do the, do the baseball show, I've always enjoyed watching that for the last few years that they've done that. And you've been, you've been a key part of those conversations. Um, and, and so I, you, you may not know this, but I, I was born in Richmond, Indiana, so mm. just just over the border, and and we spent um, a lot of time going to Riverfront Stadium, you know. In, oh yeah, yeah. In, oh, the, yeah. in the mid seventies, oh. uh, mid seventies, late seventies, early eighties, and uh, so as a kid, um, you know, growing up down in that area, I was an absolute diehard fan of the Big Red Machine, and I I. I even talked to Hector about this last week that I, I consider it an absolute honor. The fact that I got to go to riverfront and see some of those guys play in person. And um, so you and I have that in common, you know, although, you know, living in Minnesota for more than 20 years now, um, you know, I do consider myself a Minnesota twins fan, but the, the reds always have a, a place in my heart. And um, tell us about it. Um, you know, what the, what's the, what the Cincinnati Reds mean to you as a, as a fan and, and what, uh, what your journey as a Cincinnati Reds fan has been all about? Well, I wasn't born a Reds fan. I can tell you that my, my mother, uh, is from Chicago, Illinois. She was born on the South side. So you'd think she'd be a Sox fan, but her parents who were immigrants from Mexico raised her to be a Cubs fan. Okay. <laughs> so at a very young age, we moved to Cincinnati. I was not born in Cincinnati, but I got there as fast as I could. I was probably three years old. So growing up in Cincinnati, we went to Riverfront all the time. Yeah. It wasn't my father that was into baseball. My father was into football and golf. My mother is the person who would drag us to Riverfront Stadium. We walked, Every time the Cubs came to town, it didn't matter if it was, uh, you know, what was going on. We went to Riverfront. And you can't help but live in a city and be bitten by the passion and I'm telling you, I don't care what baseball city you're from. Professional baseball started in Cincinnati. We have a 150-year history of baseball. Opening day parade in Cincinnati is like the longest uh, ongoing opening day parade in baseball history. It is a holiday here. Yeah, Cincinnati le- lives and breathes baseball. It is, we have a real deal museum here that if you've never seen, it is the one of the best museums you'll ever see in baseball right here in Cincinnati. The team has history. Cincinnati is, the Reds are, to me, everything passion-wise, 
you know, people, I, I love cigars. That's what I do. That's what I love smoking. But what do I love to do? I love to have a cigar and listen to the Reds, watch the Reds. Yeah. I am a baseball fanatic in, in every which way. I think the Reds, after living there so many years in Cincinnati, my mother tried so hard to make me a Cubs fan. And I have a very soft spot in my heart for the Reds, for the Cubs. But you, I became a Reds fan at a very young age and just fell in love with guys like Pete Rose and Barry Larkin because in Cincinnati we take so much pride in how many baseball players that have come through Cincinnati to play for Cincinnati who were born in Cincinnati. Yeah. And so Barry Larkin was the guy I grew up watching. Pete mm-hmm. Rose, he was the, the the local boy from the west side of Cincinnati, all-time hits king. I mean uh, – it is. If there's one thing I could talk more passionately about, passionately about than than, than cigars, it's baseball. I, I I love baseball. I love the history of baseball. Behind me, there are dozens of history books. I've got all types of memorabilia in this room. Um, now I don't know if you can see up here. Yeah, that is um, that is a piece of art uh, that represents Grand American Ballpark. Oh yeah. That one represents uh, Riverfront Stadium. If you remember the rainbow-colored seating. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. the farthest one represents Crosley Field. Oh, yeah. And those are three pieces of art that I had that represent at least the three most well-known Cincinnati ballparks. And my most um, – the thing that I, I hold near and dear is I have the complete collection of T206 baseball cards, Cincinnati Reds. Those wow. were baseball cards that came in packs of cigarettes from the American – uh, tobacco uh, company, and they were made from 1909 to 1911. I have the full complete set. Wow! wow. Yeah, That's I have them hanging up uh, on the other side of my um, on my office here. You know, my first uh, what I would consider real baseball card was a uh, Frank Robinson. Mm. Uh, was he was uh, was he a red or an Oriole? He was a red. No, the, yeah, it was his red years. Um, and uh, that was trade in baseball history, dude. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you. So if we could uh, talk about your uh, what you would consider your top five Reds of all time. Team-wise? Yeah. Or player-wise? Uh, yeah, yeah, individual player-wise. I think individual player-wise, uh, I will always put Pete Rose first. Um, and, and, and look, he's the hits king, but he bled Cincinnati. Yeah. He leads Cincinnati to this day. He may live in Vegas. He still comes home to Cincinnati a lot. And he spent so many formative years in this. This city is what – Cincinnati is what made Pete Pete. The passion, the baseball history. There's no wonder that he's Charlie Hustle and he's from Cincinnati. So, so Pete is my number one. Pete by far is number one. Number two is Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin to me represented everything you'd want in a player. Um, to me, Pete, uh, uh, Barry Larkin was the hometown kid, yeah. uh, taken over shortstop from a legendary ball player, stepped in, won the world series. He was the first, I think 30, 30 shortstop of all time. He was really, I think the change over from the, the shortstop that was, didn't have any power that really didn't do much. He just had to be great with his glove to being shortstops that later on came A-Rod and Jeter and all these guys. Uh, the reality was, I think Larkin was really the first kind of to be that. Um, I think uh, Tony Perez, big dog. Um, oh. 
if you meet a, so this is the other cool thing about cigar business is I meet a lot of Cubans. Yeah. And so many Cubans that grew up in Miami who, who were that first generation off the Island, either it being fleeing from Fidel or, or later on, whatever it may have been, there was no, there were no professional teams in Florida and they knew in the in in the sixties, they knew of Tony Perez, and Tony Perez went on to play for the Reds, and he made his name as a Red. And so, so many old Cubans that I meet know the Cincinnati Reds or were fans of Cincinnati Reds. Eric Espinosa is a big fan of of the of uh, Pete Rose and the Cincinnati Reds, yeah, because of Tony Perez. So I think Tony has uh, a lot to do with with you know, what the Reds became in the, in, in those years. In fact, if you talk to any yeah. of the guys on those teams, they'll tell you, Tony, Tony was the leader. He was the man. Absolutely. So that's three. Um, you have to mention Johnny bench, probably the greatest oh, yeah. of all time. Um, oh, yeah. Little do people know Johnny, uh, Johnny was part native American as well. He was from Oklahoma yep. and uh, he had, we had a very diverse team in the seventies there. We had Latino, we had black, we had white and little, and little native American uh, Johnny still, I mean, this, that was a guy who was drafted by the Reds and ended his career as a Red. So he was a lifer. Yeah. And Johnny truly, truly was a guy from Oklahoma who really transplanted into Cincinnati and made Cincinnati his home. And to this day, when you're in Cincinnati, he does commercials. He's everywhere. Um, he is, he is, he is Cincinnati. I mean, it, it's really incredible. Yeah. And probably, uh, I would say Frank Robinson, um, what could have been, uh, Frank, yes. Frank, uh, you know, it's tough because I think Frank, look, he won an NL MVP as a red. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and he never won a world series with the reds. Uh, but he went on to go to a couple world series with the reds, but he wound up winning a world series with Baltimore. Yeah. And he, he was the first and only player, I believe to be an MVP in both leagues. He went on to be an MVP in the AL as well. What could have been, we have a statue of him outside of great American ballpark because, uh, he, he potential what he could have been. And he did win an NL MVP, so I had to give that to Frank Robinson. And believe it or not, I, w- I will have to say coming in at sixth place is Joey Votto. I'm a huge Joey Votto fan. He's oh, yeah, player. yeah. I love Joey. So far, he's spent his entire career with Cincinnati. He's brought an NL MVP to us, and uh, he's a hit machine. And he's a little bit down on uh, his last couple of years, but there's something about him that I enjoy watching. Yeah. Well, somebody that – we talked to Hector about last week, and even though he's he's more known as a Met than a Red, uh, I'll always, uh, I always consider Tom Seaver to be a, a Cincinnati Red. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, I remember he, that. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. He, he still had some great years in that arm, and he, and he gave a lot of great years to Cincinnati. He did. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, Johnny Bench, um, I, as a kid, you know, going going to Riverfront with, with my dad and my brothers and, and seeing Johnny Bench and, I mean, Morgan and Concepcion and Gerardo and Morgan with the chicken wing. Yeah. I, I mean, just, just some of the most iconic players of, of all time and being able to go to riverfront and see them play. Um, and, and Pete Rose, of course, who, um, so the, the hall of fame discussion with Pete Rose, uh, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's about time that they, uh, that they, uh, Mm-hmm. you know, bury the hatchet and, and give the man his spot in Cooperstown. 
Here's a little fact. Um, the Hall of Fame and MLB are two completely different companies. Right. Yep. They have absolutely no connection to each other. Right. He is banned by the MLB. Although over the last seven, eight years, they've definitely allowed him to do a lot more with the Reds. We've now built a, a, a we've retired as a number officially. He has a statue outside of, of, uh, of the stadium. And we couldn't do that. And finally, MLB said, hey, look, if you want, if you want to do ceremonies and stuff, he's allowed to do that. So they've definitely relaxed a bit. But the truth is, is that the Cooperstown could induct him whenever they wanted to. They could put him on any list because he's not banned by them. But for some reason, they keep you know, using the MLB while well, he's banned by MLB, but there is no connection. So I think it's kind of foolish. Yeah. On the other side is I in, in, in Cooperstown, you can be inducted for many different things. You can be inducted for being a, a front office person. You can be inducted for being a player, a manager. You can be inducted for all these different things. Pete got caught gambling when he was a manager. Right. Okay, don't put him in as a manager. He's banned for life as a manager. Bring, put him in as a player. Right. And and to me, that's the fair thing. He was never caught gambling as a player. He's never been accused um, of being gambling as a as a baseball player, only when he became a manager. So to me, it's very simple. He you put him on the you put him on the list and let the voters decide if I had to vote, I'd vote him in right away. Yeah. You know, as as Pete says, my baseball bat, my cleats, my uniforms, they're all in Cooperstown. For some reason, they're not letting the guy who wore those things in Cooperstown. So if my, yeah. if, my, if my bat is good enough for Cooperstown, why aren't I? And that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a tragedy that that he's you know still doesn't have a plaque on the wall at that place. Yeah. And uh, as a as a player, I mean, he's he's he is he's the he's the greatest hitter of all time. But, look, there will no one will ever have four thousand plus hits again. It's just. Yeah it's it's you just it's impossible now you know it's like Cy Young people yeah. are never going to come close to those kind of hits you know yeah. I always think of it you know look at a guy like Jeter who's definitely kind of our generation player and you know when he got 3,000 hits that was a huge milestone Absolutely. And, and then you think about Pete with 4,200 plus hits and you go what how, how is that even how is that even possible yeah, yeah. it wasn't like Pete just stuck around and had a bunch of crappy years. I mean, Pete was still getting hits, you know, last couple of years of his of his career. And I have to tell you, in 89, the team he put together and Lou Pinello wind up taking over, um, that 1990 Reds uh, World Series team that swept the A's, that was Pete's team. Oh, yeah. Lou Pinello managed them, but that was Pete's team. And so – you know, look, I'm a I'm a home guy, right? But uh, Pete, I, I absolutely de- deserves a place in in the hall, and I hope they do it before he passes. I agree. Uh, just to update people, I uh, got people asking what we're smoking tonight. We are smoking the new collaboration between Crown Heads and Drew Estate, and it is the La Coalition. Coalition. I knew I was going to butcher it. You can you can say it the white guy way and say la coalition, but it's <laughs> you got to put that you got you, you got to put that little, little hot sauce on there. Yeah, a little, 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 little hot sauce. I like that hot sauce. <laughs> um, and uh, due to uh, Miguel's got a little cold going on, he is not smoking tonight. Um, or and I'm guessing you're not sipping on any rum tonight. I am not. I'm actually drinking uh, diet soda. 
Yeah, yeah, same here. But but I did have some rum earlier today because uh, I'm a firm believer that when you're sick and you have a sore throat, a little bit of liquor, especially rum, will help kind of clear it up, man. Absolutely. So I do drink a little bit of little rum every day just to hopefully burn out, burn off some of these uh, these uh, sickies away. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. So Miguel, the um, for for us being Minnesota Twins fans, you know, we 2019 was a really fantastic season for us. We were really grateful for it. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, not only did the team do really well, but it was a just an incredible amount of fun to watch. It was such a fun yep. season to watch, and it wasn't honestly, it wasn't just the Twins. Major League Baseball was a blast to watch this season, it just because they 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 were hitting the ball like crazy this season. So, oh, yeah. what do you what do you think about uh, um, you know the upcoming prospects for 2020 for the for Cincinnati Reds you know we made a big move um Mike Moustakas we just signed Moustakas to the largest free agent contract we've ever given out and from my understanding look I have a lot of friends that work for the Cincinnati Reds um so besides the the rumor mills out there but some very good intel they're not done yet and they may be giving out a bigger contract to another free agent very soon yeah so I think for Cincinnati the future is bright uh, we've had some rough years last year, though, um, this season, 2019 was a lot of fun because it was our 150th anniversary. So we had about 20 throwback uniforms and we were celebrating all types of stuff all season long. So even though we didn't perform the best, it was a fun season to watch. I do like watching the twins quite a bit. I have such a, they have such a, a great history and Rod Carew came through there oh, um, and, uh, you know, the great Panamanian hitter. And so I think the future is bright for Cincinnati. I think our division, if you look at the NL Central for the last couple of years, you on paper you would thought the Cubs run away with it every every year, and they haven't. It's like no one wants our division. <laughs> Cardinals win, 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 then lose, lose, lose. The Cubs do the same. Milwaukee does the same. And literally the Reds, as bad as our season was last year, up to like a month before the season ended, numerically wise we were still in it right in the division that's because these teams that we have i don't know what was going on it's like for the last two years no one wants that division so we believe that a few minor adjustments will be very competitive in that in that market and look we have to deal with some with some big some big guys you know cardinals are I don't know how the hell they do it, but they always put together a solid team. It seems like every year, um, yeah. the Cubs obviously have some deep pockets. Um, Milwaukee, they've got uh, you know Christian Yelich. Uh, they have some good, solid guys playing for them. I think the only team in our division that is really sucking wind right now are the Pirates, and they're they're going through their troubles. Um, but I think we have a we have a good good opportunity, and I'm I'm excited and, and I'm saddened by next year's baseball. Baseball in Cincinnati is Marty Brenneman's voice. Oh, okay. I am I am a baseball radio guy. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I would um I don't know what it is about Marty Brenneman. When you say baseball, baseball is Marty Brenneman to me. Yeah, his voice is baseball to a guy from Cincinnati, and so the fact that he this was his last year, and next year when I turn on that radio, when I turn on my baseball at bat app to listen to the game, whatever city I'm in. It will not sound the same to me. Yeah. So 2020 will be a very interesting year for for me because the voice just will not be the same. Do you have a new voice yet? Do they know? Yeah, we have a couple. Uh, we have a couple of guys that are going to be rotating in and out, but we don't have. 
I don't think they've given the job solidly to anybody. I think we've got a couple of guys rotating in and out, and uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But it's not it's not Marty. It's not Marty. But I'm happy for Marty. I mean, the guy is. I mean, the guy is has had that job for forty plus years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, he just he took over for Al Michaels. You know, in the seventies. Wow. He earned his retirement. But I I agree with you. I mean, for me as a kid, it was. It, it was it was Marty Brenneman and uh, uh, the old left-hander Joe Nuxall. Joe baby. Nuxall. Joe Nuxall. Thank you. And and that was, I mean, just just hearing them say the the phrase "the big red machine" and 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 hearing that iconic "this one belongs to the Reds." I mean, you can't get any more baseball than that. I mean, that is that is part of it's part of, and it's not just part of sports history. It's I'm sorry, but it's part of American history. It is, it's you know, hearing those phrases and, 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 uh, he will definitely be missed. Hey, Cubs red. <laughs> well, <laughs> then you got Harry Carey. And, I mean, but some of those, some of those iconic, but, but yeah. if you think about it, you know, the, there have been a lot of broadcasters, you know, who, you know, they, they get to a certain point and, and they, they just want to hang it up. And I understand, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's going to be missed, but, uh, he is definitely part of part of American lore. And, what I loved about Marty was just, you know, he he did. I mean, he ended up in the in the commissioner's office constantly throughout his career. Uh, he would always get in trouble for something he yeah. said. Yeah, um, he was accused once of trying to start a riot in Chicago. Uh, I mean, he he uh, he had no problem calling out the Reds. Oh, this team sucks. You yeah. know. It's, you know, our guys can't lay down bunts. Who the hell are these guys? You know, he had no problem criticizing our own team. Yeah. And, and as a as a fan, I love that I could I could expect from Marty the truth and not just fluff. When Absolutely. the team sucked, he said the team sucked. I mean, in reality is as he says, he's he's part of the old guard. He said, any guy like me starting out today wouldn't get this job wouldn't come 10 feet from this job. They wouldn't allow me to even have a microphone. Yeah. And that's what I love about Marty. And yeah. he has a beautiful wife and he has a beautiful retirement. Um, he's just a wonderful guy. He deserves it. But as a fan, it, uh, it sucks. It's going to take some years to get used to. Yep. Yep. Steve's got a good comment here. He says, please don't wear the cutoff jerseys again in 2020 in Cincy. And uh, Grandpa Ross is going to hopefully bring life back to the Cubs. I I think I've heard mixed reviews of Ross, uh, you know, coming into that role. I think he's going to do a good job. So that you know, that's just me. Obviously, of course, he's not experienced as a manager, but I think I, I don't know. I think I think he he has a good rapport with the people that he's played with in the past, and I think that's going to translate into management. I think uh, I'm a lot. I believe a lot of way that uh, Coop believes that you should pay your dues as a manager and go through the minors and learn that way and come up. Uh, yeah, I see that. that doesn't guarantee success. And just because you're a player that retired, that that can that can, you can win a World Series. Um, my my vote is is is. I'm still scratching my head on that one. Hopefully, uh, the Cubs, from mom's sake, look. My mom, my mom's. You know, her whole life she never saw a World Series, and then she went. She when she saw the Cubs World Series, you know that that she was crying. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm very happy for them, but uh, I would tell uh, Cubs fans go sit down. You have a World Series. <laughs> Last one we won was 1990. Yeah, quite some time. I would like to have one more World Series by the time I die. Yeah. Well, uh, Hector last week said uh, 
the second you guys mention Reds, I give the over under at least twelve minutes on uh, Miguel going off on uh, on the Reds. <laughs> so you you've hit the over. I've hit the over. Yeah, you hit the over. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah, if, if I'm not my other side of my office, I have bubble bobbleheads. I have cards yeah. framed. I've got baseballs. It's a sickness, man. Well, and going through your feed, I would say it's about forty percent cigars, forty yeah. percent reds, yeah. and you know about twenty percent uh, random comedy or whatever. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's take a little uh, shift and uh, let's talk about our useless fact of the week. Yes, I like that little shift, so, like a baseball shift. Exactly. Uh, like so. I always try to find a useless fact of the week that somehow relates to the person we're talking to. And Miguel, being from Crown Head Cigars, I uh, started looking up stuff. And so you think about a crown. What is a crown? Well, it's, you know, it's this thing, you know, king wears a crown on his head, you know, big, tall, gold thing with jewels all over it. But the uh, the crown actually has a little bit of a history that goes well beyond that way, 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 way back in the day. Mm. And the crown actually started out as a thing that was actually called, um, it was called a diadem, which was actually just a, uh, sort of a strap that went around the head. And we're talking, we're going back to like 400 BC Mm. way back in the day. Yeah. And the, the diadem was, was worn actually by most people, you know, by most men worn around the head, and and then through the years it it embellished a little bit and uh then you had things like the turban and then people of note people who had money or people who were royalty or leadership stature they would actually wear the turban up higher to you know give themselves say hey i'm i'm somebody and the uh the headgear the uh uh where is it here the originally cloth and then it was ornamented over time with gold leaf or jewels and things like that based on somebody's status. Uh, the earliest examples were found in Persia, uh, Macedonia. There's a shout out to Risty from JSK, Macedonia. And then Greece, uh, known by modern people as a turban, which this is something I didn't know. The turban is and the word turban and tiara are actually interchangeable. At least they were back then in the huh. in the ancient language. So you see a princess tiara. Well, that's the same word for turban. So uh, actually, if I can interject for one second, uh, being from Cincinnati, we are known as the Queen City. Uh, we actually have a building downtown Cincinnati, the Great American Insurance Company, and they built a part of the roof of that that skyscraper a tiara because we are the Queen City, and it overlooks Great American Ballpark. Go ahead. Nice. No, I love it. I love that. That's awesome. Um, and so then, um, known by modern people as a turban or a tiara, the king would be the only one to tie it up higher than the commoners. And over time, it became more on, more ornate and spread across different kingdoms. Uh, eventually, in Western cultures, it became the tall, ornate, gold, and jeweled headpiece we have come to know and love. So that's a little history behind I like it. The crown. That was a good one. The uh, the Pope, his actual big crown that he only wears on certain occasions. Yeah, that's actually called a tiara. That is actually called the Pope tiara. That is. Oh, that. I didn't know that. Yeah, I like yeah. that too. And it looks like a turban. So it does. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm learning things here. There yeah. you go. There is there is your useless fact of the week. Like it. And now it is time for 
Numero de los Muertos. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. All right, guys. The number this week is 12. The number is 12. And um, this number is uh, United States only. And uh, the first death happening in 1963. And it is a specific profession. So since 1963, 12 people in the U.S. have died from this. Mm -hmm. And it's a profession. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what is and what is the So 12 people have died of this since 1963. It's a profession from, from doing this job. Yep. Is it. Uh, men or women or a mix of both 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 uh how about a window cleaner on skyscrapers wow that's a really good guess nope <laughs> damn you had me going there for a minute man <laughs> um is it uh Good guess, Steve. Not professional wrestling. Is it eating Skyline Chili? Mm. <laughs> it is not. What a way to go, though. Just I mean, so you know, as a kid, I ate more than 12 conies at one time. It didn't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Football. Uh, Football. Uh, no, sir. Mm. Nope. Is it sports related? No. Not sports. Um entertainment related it's entertainment stunt doubles yes is it miguel just nailed like, it knocked it out of the park stunt doubles yep stunt doubles so uh, a couple ones of note uh vin diesel has had two stunt doubles die in wow. the triple x series and then um one of the latest ones, uh, Deadpool, Deadpool two, the uh, the uh, lucky hero girl. Her uh, superpower was just being incredibly lucky. Remember? I have not seen either oh of the Deadpool gosh. movies. I know, I know, I, I haven't seen them. Yeah, her stunt double was unlucky. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. So. So basically, rule of thumb is if you uh, if if you're a, a a stunt performer and they offer you the job to be Vin Diesel's stunt double, turn, no, it, turn it down. Exactly. Okay. Turn it down. Turn it down. Yep. 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 Yeah. I'd say that's a safe bet. Yep. All right. Well, that was a good wow. one. Wow. That Eric, was that was good. Yeah, Miguel. Usually, uh, I gotta milk some more uh, hints in there, and you hit it out of the park. Nice. Um, so let's, uh, let's move into a little bit of our rapid, a little bit of our rapid fire lightning round. Mm. Um, so Miguel, if you could choose to hear the thoughts mm. of one living person for 10 minutes, who would you choose and why? Oh my God. <laughs> For 10 minutes. You could hear their thoughts. Uh, my wife. How about that? Let's go with that. My wife, because I'd love to know what she thinks. 
bad. It's Dude, you're brave because I would so never, brave. I would never want to hear. I would never want to know what's going wow. on out there. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. You are you are brave. That is. Yeah. Wow. I would be rocking in the corn. No, <laughs> in the fetal position, like, oh, stop! I don't turn it off. I don't want to hear I'm it not anymore. That evil. <laughs> turn it off, please. I love that. All right, if uh, so, choose, and and I have a feeling based on our conversation, I know what this will be. But <laughs> choose, choose one of the following: you could score a goal in a hockey game as a goalie. Mm. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman mm. or you could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. I would hit a home run as a starting pitcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I had a feeling that was going to be yeah. because I mean, what? Yeah. That's where Pitch, the smart money pitchers was. pitchers are not known as uh no, as uh you know, being heavy hitters. So it's pretty rare to see, uh see a starting pitcher hit, uh, hit one out so Bert Blylevin has three and he often talks about all three of those yeah three that's that's unheard of one is unheard of right three is like legendary um and Miguel if you were about to get into a fight okay what soundtrack music would come on what would your soundtrack music be when you're about to throw down I would. I actually. I've thought about this before. Um, <laughs> you talk about like soundtracks in life and different parts of your life. Yeah, man. It would be slow motion fight, mm-hmm. and it would be the most mariachi. <laughs> yes. Tequila, tequila drinking, like just. <laughs> yeah, I mean just. In slow motion, you know, El Mariachi kind of straight. That's that's what it would be. Nice. That's what it would be for me. Would you say you have a plethora of guns? I have a plethora of guns. <laughs> hey, here's a quick little funny little story. When I worked for Toronto, we distributed um, Sam Lucia's cigar, uh, uh, his cigars, and he had launched the original Luchador. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the bottom of the original box, it said like 20 cigars with a plethora of tobacco or something no like that. No way! <laughs> a reference to, uh, up to yes. that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I need that box. Yeah. it's it was It was like one of those little inside joke things, and it was just yes. fantastic. I love fantastic. that. Yeah. So good. Would you say I have a plethora? All right. Oh, yes. <laughs> Guapo. We're, we're yeah. going to uh, steal their women and rape their cows. <laughs> <laughs> and to rape the horses and ride off on the women. <laughs> that, and that, great, great movie. Great oh, movie. And that's for, that's for our friend Bear DePlissy, who thinks Chevy Chase is not funny. So that's for you. Oh, oh. <laughs> Chevy Chase, C reference, Three Amigos. That's all, yeah. you, that's all you gotta do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if uh if you could give one piece of advice to new cigar consumers, what would it be? Well, I, I find myself giving a lot of advice to new cigar consumers because I still do a lot of events as, as a national sales manager. So I still get to go around, go around and meet a lot of people, and a lot of guys will ask for advice. And the first thing I tell them is uh, whenever someone tells you not to smoke a cigar, you should try that cigar. And when anyone tells you that this is the greatest cigar they ever had, you should try it and for yourself. I think 
the best piece of advice you can give people is to try cigars and to make your own decision. Um, I've met guys that, you know, who get into these chat rooms or get in these blogs and maybe they're, they bash on boutiques or maybe they, they talk up boutiques the best and, or they bash the big brands and, or whatever it is. And, and I meet a guy who goes, you know what, man, I love my boutiques, but I still love smoking a punch, you know? And it's like, yeah. dude, whatever you like, you, 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 you should like, don't let other mm-hmm. people make that decision for you Amen. and, uh, and, and find out what you love. And when you find something you love, don't be ashamed, love it, promote it. Yeah. Uh, so this is a small industry. So when you fly that flag, it means a lot, man. Preach. Yeah. That's, yep. I, I love that. If, when you find something you like, don't be ashamed. That's I, right. I, I like the way you put that. That's a great, that's a great uh, way to put that in. And it, and, and it, it is even the big brands, even the, the, you know, the so-called big brands, it's a small industry. This yeah. Is not a, this is not a big industry. So even the, even the so-called big brands, you know, they're, they're still, they're still, the the tobacco is still grown in the same fields, rolled by the same hands, rolled yep. in, in the same way with the same passion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, maybe bigger numbers. Yeah, maybe bigger, bigger this, bigger that. But you know, it's still. Uh, I, I I like that. Don't be ashamed of uh, of what you like. I, I mean, dig that. People like Bud Light for God's sake. So well, let's not get carried away, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get carried away. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll meet a guy. Look, I worked for CAO for a lot of years, and I'd meet a guy who goes, oh, I love Brasilia. I love MX2. And then he'd say, oh, yeah. by the way, I also like Moon Trance, too. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, all right, man. Whatever you like is what you like. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, all you have to do is go into a liquor store and see how many brands of rum or bourbon or tequila that are out there. There's something for everybody. And if it's a Macanudo, if it's a Crown Heads, if it's a Drew Estate, if it's a Roma Craft, or my good friend, the Macedonian King JSK, um, mm-hmm. if it makes you happy, smoke it, mm-hmm. smoke it, and share it with your share it with your guys. You know, Amen. Yeah. And 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 by the way, Michael Lorenzen, who's a pitcher of the Cincinnati Reds, has hit a lot of a lot of home runs. Seven for his career, by the way. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, if you look him up, you'll see he looks like a bodybuilder and he's our pitcher. So he hits more home runs than uh than the the entire Orioles organization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh if if you could give one piece of advice to uh uh cigar retailers, uh specifically brick and mortar, what uh, advice would you give them? You, you, customer engagement is the most important thing. Um, I've met so many consumers that, I mean, look, I've been doing 17 years and, and when you do events, you interact more with consumers than retailers on a regular visit. You, you work more, you, you talk more with the retailer, right? So at events, I'll meet a guy, let's say I'm just picking a city, Indianapolis, cause you're from Indiana and, uh, and, and maybe we're on the West side and I'm like, Hey man, so where do you live? Oh, I live on the North side. I drive through past four cigar shops just to come to this one. Yeah. Wow. Tell me about that. You know, it's, oh, that guy ignored me or he, he, I picked up some cigar and he laughed at me or criticized, you know, whatever it is, customer engagement, how you talk to customers. We want people to be in this industry. We want people to come and enjoy the industry. We want people to, to look at this hobby as something that's fun and, we tend to get very clickish, you know, yeah. Oh, you like this brand you're, you know, you're stupid or you support that guy or look, 
a cigar shop should be a place where a guy comes to relax, to learn, and to really enhance his hobby. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. When I was a kid and we would go to the hobby shop, mm-hmm. it didn't matter if you were there buying baseball cards or things for rockets or, or mm-hmm. remote control cars. Like, you were very much engaged. It was like a safe place, right? Yeah. Yep. And some, some cigar lounges can be very divisive. And I tell guys, look, this is a hobby. You want, you want to make a place where hobbyists want to come, they want to spend their money, and they want to engage with each other. Yeah. So my always my advice to new shop owners is don't make this your hangout spot. Make it a hangout spot for your consumers, man. Amen. Yeah. Great way to put it. And here's a little – Here's a little. there was a shop once in Indiana. He would get so angry with people changing the channel for the different news. So he put up three TVs, one on Fox, one on CNN, and one on MSNBC – <laughs> turned, turned off the sound and put the and put the uh, the words. Yeah. Said, there you go. We're all going to watch what we you know whatever we like, and we're all going to get along. So yeah, I like it. Yeah. Yep. Um. So give us uh, uh give everybody a little bit of a, a rundown because obviously there's always new stuff happening, but you know the the thing that that really um you know keeps things moving and and is uh, and is a really great staple of of any cigar brand is their core lines. So give, give everybody uh, a, a good reminder of, you know, those core lines that really make crown heads who they are. Well, you know, we make several different lines and the first four lines I tell everyone to try is four kicks mm. and, and Lake Carême. Those are two lines mm. that are made for us by El Padrino, the Godfather, Ernesto Perez Carrillo. He makes those at his factory, La Alianza. Um, he won Cigar of the Year last year. He's a legend in the business. Those are two of many cigars that he makes for us, but those are two that I think what I call our core four. The other two are Jericho Hill and Lampirio. So those cigars are made for us by Don Pepin Garcia, the Garcia family from the My Father Cigar family. Um, they make those two blends for us. So those are our core four. If you can smoke a Four Kicks, a Le Carême, Jericho Hill, a Lampiriosa, one of those four cigars, I think you're in really good hands. And I think that one of those crown heads will turn you on onto who we are, the company, and to really understand our blending style, our taste, what we have to offer. And so those are what I love to tell people, our core four. Those are our brands that really represent who we are. Uh, I think today, though, I think because of the new releases, Juarez and La Coalition are getting out there. And I believe that our core four will turn into our – I got to think of something that rhymes with six, you know what I mean? Cause I think wars and la coalition will be part of that part of that mix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and- look, we have Headley Grange, we have Luminosa. We've got all these different lines that we do uh, crown heads court, all these great blends. But if you smoke a four kicks, if you smoke a Lake Karim, La Imperiosa, mm-hmm. Jericho Hill, I think you're going to be, I think you'll be a fan. Yeah. That Tennessee waltz though. Oh, Oh Tennessee yeah. Waltz. Yeah. That well, was that's the other thing. I think once you get in and crown heads and you taste all of our limited edition state exclusives and things like that, uh, I think I think there's something for everybody. And I think a lot of people enjoy the things that we put out and the limited releases that we do. We don't make them. You know, I always say we should there should be someone that comes out with a joke cigar, limited edition and just do like one box. 
and like <laughs> and just ship it to one store, right? And then just like that's super limited edition, you know. What I mean? Wait, what? One cigar, <laughs> one cigar in a five count box, one cigar, <laughs> and uh, it just loads of just leaf tobacco. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, and and I think that should be the kind of the joke, right? Because yeah. it seems like, but. I think our limited editions are we make them readily available to all of our accounts. So when you are Crown Heads retailer, you can get your hands on everything we make, our core, our limited edition. And once a year, we make even our state exclusives available to all of our retailers in the country. It's not like you got to spend this much so you can buy this or get your hands on this or get this super rare thing. We don't do that at Crown Heads. Our retailers, we want to make sure that when a consumer walks into a cigar shop in SoCal and in, in, in Milwaukee and Cincinnati and Tampa or Houston, Texas, that that retailer, whatever retailer it is, who's part of the Crown Heads retail family, that that consumer can walk in and get their hands on almost anything Crown Heads almost at any time of the year. And I think we take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot of pride in that as a national sales manager. Yeah. Awesome. So we're coming to the close of 2019. And yep. 2019 has been, a, you know, another really good year for Crown Heads as a brand and as a company. But you know, going into 2020, I assume, I mean, all the companies, you know, there's always projects that are being worked on in the background. And obviously, we don't want you to give away anything. But, you know, can you uh, give us an idea that, uh, you know, give us some uh, sort of a sneak preview or just let us know that Crown Heads is definitely working on some cool stuff for 2020? We are. We're, we're working on a lot of very unique uh, limited edition offerings throughout the year. Uh, we are... I think what you're going to see the first half of 2020 is really us spending a lot of time promoting La Colección. This is a project that's that we worked really hard on in 2019 and it's come out the end of 2019. So uh, for us, the first six months, I think, of 2020 will be a big part of representing La Colección and getting it out there in the market and making sure it gets in the hands of every consumer that's interested in it. Um, but I can tell you that John Huber... Um, he is like, uh, he's like a kid in a candy store with the factories that we work with. Uh, I think just today or yesterday, he posted a picture of five or six new blends he's working on in, in the office. And we realized that there's only so much shelf space, right? And that's, what's fun about doing limited editions is maybe you're, it's a size, maybe it's a particular tobacco. It could be really anything that you say, all right, this won't fit in to the core line or this won't. We can't take any more shelf space up for this, but we want to do this fun size. And that's how, like, the Lake Carême Bellicoso Fino came about. We don't do a lot of Figurados, but John and I are a huge fan of that size. And so that, I can tell you, the first six months of 2020, you'll definitely see some really fun, very interesting limited edition projects that are coming out. That'll be a lot of fun. And I think this year's trade show at PCA Las Vegas, I think you'll see another new edition um, added to our to our family of portfolio and nice. the company just continues to grow. Uh, I think we have the best hats in the game. Yeah, you know? that is ridiculous. By the, way, oh. by the way, this is this is New Era, the official on 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 field supplier of baseball cast for MLB. And uh, we we do a lot of great hats, and we love doing the swag. And and I think you'll see a lot of that in 2020. And hopefully, uh, I'll be back on your guys' show to talk about some of the new projects sooner than later. Mm. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. And that yeah. I, I agree 100 percent that that Bellicoso Fino in, in the in the uh, the Le Carême is Le Carême. that that size. There's something about it that that it just it pops. And it's uh, uh, I think that's the definitely the 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 it, in my opinion, that's my favorite one of the of that blend. Yeah, that's the, that's the Johnny Bench of all the sizes. Yeah, there you go. 
There you go. On this La uh, Coalition. Well done. Well done. Well done. Dude. Yeah, this thing. He's he's out smoking me I like am crazy. Hammering this because it is just delicious. You know, I, I realize that I am a bit biased. But and and for me to be able to sit down and to light the La Coalition, the final product, and to see all the work, and I, I, I'm very pri- privileged because I get to see all the background work that goes into it. And to have Willie Herrera, who to me is just one of the guys that is doing really interesting things out there. John Huber, the guys I've respect for for a very, very long time. And for this project, all the work and the final smoke that 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 final um, uh, art, you know, that that final piece of, of art that they've delivered. Um, I'm on a mission to get it in everyone's hands. I, yeah. I absolutely love the blend. Uh, and John Huber, if he was on here, he would tell you, he goes, look, there's certain blends that I smoke more than others. There's blends that I prefer more of, of, of our own blends. Yeah. And to me, La Coalition is more up my style. It's a solid medium bodied cigar. Yep. I don't smoke a lot of full bodied stuff. So I don't smoke a lot of La Imperiosa, but I do smoke a lot of Jericho Hill and I do smoke a lot of, you know, La Coalition and Four yeah. Kicks and Lake Carim. And so that La Coalition is built from my palate. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, so every week, uh, we're going to talk about notable smokables right now, uh, Miguel. And every week, Garrett and I just, we bring up a couple cigars that we've smoked in the last week or so that were interesting to us, whether it was a cigar that's new to the market or a cigar that's been around for a while that we just haven't had in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I want to bring up my, the first one that was notable for me this week was, so for the last few years, um, uh, HVC cigars, uh, and we had Rainier on the show a few weeks ago. Um, he's put out uh, a Black Friday uh, cigar, and the the mm. release came out this year. And um, yeah. I uh, uh, I split a box with uh, somebody that I know, and and uh, got ten of those cigars. And that is a nice little. It's a short cigar too, but that is a nice little cigar. Uh, so uh, that was one that uh, I was excited to try. I hadn't had it in previous years, but uh, that that little HVC Black Friday was a good cigar. Yeah, and I was up at. Um... Sodi's Cigar Bar in uh, Stillwater, Minnesota, or oh, yeah. Oak Park Heights, Minnesota. Oak and, Park Heights, yeah. <laughs> um, I was uh, gifted a uh, 14-year-old Perdomo Silvio, and I'd never had oh, one before. Wow. And, one, of the best, one of the best boxes in the industry when it came out. Dude, and I was uh, extremely grateful, and that thing was amazing. Um, just uh, blew me away. Yeah. And uh, I love, you know, you know, when you get that cigar that's been aged well, mm-hmm. you can taste that age on it. Yeah. yeah. When it was stored properly when the it was, whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Uh, so, Miguel, we know usually people, you know, who work for cigar companies, obviously, they spend the majority of their time smoking their own stuff. But um, is there anything interesting, you know, if you uh, if you yeah. read for somebody else on the shelf, anything interesting you've tried lately that you thought, hey, man, that's a good cigar? Well, I'm I'm enjoying the Baca um, by uh, Skip Martin. Uh, yeah, I like mm. Skip and Michael Rosales. I think those guys are great guys, and and so I've always a lot of interest in what they're doing. Um, and uh, the new Espinosa uh, Escuro. Uh, I oh yeah, that, that is just uh, a cigar that is just there's some silkiness to that smoke that is very very unique. Yeah, but but a cigar that maybe is not on the profile of a lot of boutique smokers, something I smoked recently that I was blown away by. It was an Altidus product. Okay. H. Upman, the Hispanola, 
Oh um, yeah. It has that it has the second band. It says like Jose Menendez Mendez yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. That cigar, a sample that was given to me by uh, Brad Winstead, who works for Altidus, who runs their CDM side. He used to be like their VP of sales, um, and he's just a great guy. He gave it to me at, at IPCPR, and I put it in my humidor at home, my personal humidor, and whatever, it got kind of tossed around. And so he gave me about two or three of them, and I have now smoked that cigar probably three weeks in a row. It is beautiful. The wrapper has got to be one of the silkiest wrappers I've ever seen on a cigar. It was just it burnt so beautiful. The 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 carbon ring was razor thin, and it literally tasted like you were smoking a, a piece of like um like uh like cedar. I mean, it just had this deep deep cedar aroma, medium bodied, and uh and once in a while the cigar that maybe you're not thinking you know what I mean that this is gonna be, and it turns out to be a hell of a cigar. And when I'm in a lot of retail shops, I always say, "Hey, Miguel, grab a cigar before you go on me." And once in a while, I'll grab that cigar now, and people will go, "Really?" And I go, "Man, it's it's that good. It's nice. that good." Nice. I'll have to reach for that one. Um, my last one that was notable this week uh, is actually one of my favorite uh, budget sticks. It's sort of a catalog brand, really that that I get from CI from time to time. And it's the Ramon Boiso uh, Genesis. Mm-hmm. Oh the, yeah. Yep. And uh, I tell you, it's one of those budget cigars that, you know, you can keep around at all times. And you know, it's uh, if, and it's another one of those cigars that if it happens to, uh, you know, fall on the ground while you're shoveling snow or whatever it is you're doing, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to cry about it, but it's a good tasty little cigar. So yeah. I smoked one of those a few days ago. It's been yeah. a while, man. Um, for me, my last one is the, uh, archetype, uh, dream state. Oh yeah. Ventura. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great, great medium, mild to medium cigar. Okay. Creamy. I really, I really enjoy their, uh, their psycho seven, uh, Nicaragua. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We, we had, uh, we talked to Michael Giannini about that one uh, a couple months ago. And, uh, I tell you that Indiana Ortez, man, she's, she's, uh, she's making fire. She's making, you know, good, uh, uh, good inroads in the, in the cigar community. She's, she's got a lot of talent, I think. And, uh, uh, hopefully one of these days we'll get a chance to talk to her as well. She's young. She's passionate. Yeah. And she's great at social media. Yeah. And, uh, that psycho seven Nicaragua is just, I mean, what Mm -hmm. a great, what a great Connecticut cigar, you know? And that's one of those cigars you meet guys and they're like, I don't like Connecticut. They're like, bro, listen, this, (laughs) this is one you have to try. Yeah. And it's it's that good, and so I think she's going to be around a long time, and I think it's great uh, for someone like her, who is uh, Nicaraguan and very proud to be Nicaraguan, uh, representing representing her country and doing such a great mm-hmm. job at it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, guys, for those of you watching and listening, um, just a little bit of an idea of some stuff we have coming up uh, to close out 2019 uh, next week on. December 10th, we're going to talk to Terrence Riley from Aganor Salif. And the following week on December 17th, our final show of 2019, we're going to talk to none other than Justin Andrews from Diesel Cigars. Um, And then we have some cool stuff coming up early in 2020 or 2000. Yeah, 2020. My God, it's 2020. Man, time flies. It's 2020 coming up. That's bonkers. Um, so yeah, um, keep uh, keep watching and keep listening to How About That Cigar. Keep checking out howaboutthatcigar.com. 
Um, Miguel, what, give us a final word on where our listeners and our viewers can find out more about Crown Head Cigars. Well, I think uh, I, first and foremost, I would tell people to follow John Huber on Instagram if you want to be in the know. Uh, he is at The Crowned Heads. Uh, you can find him on Instagram and on Twitter on that. If you're interested in following me, you can follow me at M-I-G-S-C-H-1980. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter, uh, or you can be friends with me on Facebook. And I will fill your feed full of crown head cigars and uh, baseball stuff. Um, but if you get a chance, check out our website, www.crownheads.com. Uh, but I tell everyone, if you want to be in the know on crown heads, follow us on Instagram. That's where you will find out everything. And uh, that is a place you will find information on us. Awesome. Hey, Miguel, thank you very much, honestly, brother, for giving us uh, yeah, some of your time this evening. We appreciate it. Well, just in case, uh, you guys are twins, right? You got twins. I'm a Reds, right? That's N-L-A-L. If for some reason yep. in, in the in the galaxy comes together and we end up in the World Series, we'll have to do a special World Series show together. Okay? Sure. Absolutely. Fingers that crossed. That would be awesome. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Thank you, guys, and thank you to all your viewers, man. On behalf of Crown Heads, the entire family, thank you for the support, and thank you for uh, letting us have a little time. Absolutely. Been a blast. Absolutely. So again, thanks to all the viewers and listeners. Uh, and if you guys have any questions, hit us up on HowAboutThatCigar.com. You can send us an email directly from there. And until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Take care. See ya. Thanks, guys.